let's just go do a practical study on this. True love. On this Valentine's Day, let's study about this. The million dollar question, though, in our secular culture is this. What in the world is that? True love. Go ahead and try to define that. Try to describe in your own words what is true love. Probably a number of things will come to your mind, will come out your mouth. Quite honestly, in our secular culture, when we talk about true love, a definition to true love is all over the map. <laughs> when asked about true love, for many of our minds, we generally go, where? I mean, you would like to say in a very spiritual sense, yes, Pastor Andrew, I go to the Word of God. That's like we like to say, right? But you know, probably when you talk about true love, probably the first thing that comes into your mind is that last novel you read or the latest, greatest movie that you, the romantic movie that you watched. Movies come to our minds. That's how we, generally how in our culture we describe, define true love is like this last great flick we watched or even one back in the decades that reminds us about true love. This week, as my kids are right now cringing, I was reminded all week of this flick I watched, came out back in the 80s. You know this one. This one is consumed with this concept of true love. It's unprecedented, riveting, this movie, this classic entitled The Princess Bride. <laughs> you remember this one? I couldn't get this out of my mind all week, and there's a couple phrases that I'm going to refuse to say right now, because my kids have said them all week long, or heard me say them all week long, and Sila at breakfast this morning said, please, Dad, please don't say that to the body of Christ. So I'm not going to say them. They're going to say them. Wow. True love. It's true love. 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 You heard him? True love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for a nice MLT. Mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. Okay, absolutely ridiculous, right? I'm going to tell you, that probably came into our minds. The movie, maybe some of you have watched this multiple times. Maybe you watch it every year around this time. It is consumed with this concept of true love. But I'm going to tell you, as I think about this ridiculous movie, this is like a microcosm. Honestly, this is 1987 this came out. This is a microcosm of our entire culture. What do I mean? This is a movie that's consumed with talking about true love, but no one in the movie can seem to figure out what it is. There's a guy that's saying true love is good, but mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwiches are better. I mean, honestly, this is kind of the culture we live in. What is true love? This week I, oh, I spent some time daring to go on the internet and figure out secular culture's view of true love. My soul, I'm not even going to touch on that. But here's some ideas. To some, true love is a mysterious emotion. To others, it's an enduring feeling. You just feel this love and can't deny this feeling. To some, true love is an undeniable attraction. You can't do without this person. 
To others, it's a deep fascination. It's an obsession almost. To some, true love is a simple action of affection. Just a little action. True love means action. To others, it's a passionate act of intimacy. Abused. Certainly, some of those things mentioned could be part of true love. Maybe a a piece of the pie of true love. But is this what I just mentioned? Is that that really what true love is? Emotions and attractions and obsessions and affections. Isn't there a standard and a standard definition of what true love actually is? Well, obviously, by bringing up the question today, there's an answer. (laughs) And you know where we're going. As followers of Jesus Christ, committed to the sufficiency of the Word of God, we're going to go to the Bible. What does the Bible say about true love? And simply this morning, I want us to, in a very casual sense, but very, also very pointedly, remind ourselves what the Scripture says about true love. What does the Bible say about true love? The Bible certainly is not silent on the matter. If you think of probably the top words in the scripture for exhortations, love would have to be in the top ten, top five. This is a dynamic theme through the scriptures. You find this even on our front as you drive into the church here, Cross Point Community Church. Love God, love others. This is the greatest command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and because of that, love others. This is a massive theme through the scriptures. Okay, so then what is this love? The Bible certainly shares this multiple times in the New Testament. In the New Testament or Bibles, you've probably heard this before. There's a couple Greek words that use, primarily two. One of them has to do with like this brotherly love. The other has to do with this deeper type love, even though very often these, these two words are interchangeable, so there's not a massive difference sometimes in some context between the difference between this brotherly love and this, this, so this phileo love and this agape love. You've probably heard, probably heard of those terms. Nonetheless, when you go to scriptures, you find this introduction of this really interesting word. Quite honestly, it's not a word used very frequently in the culture of the first century. It's almost like when they're talking about love, the the biblical worldview, the Christian worldview, throws a concept to the table and says, okay, you're talking about this affection love. You're talking about this brotherly love. Let's talk about a true love. Let us look at a deeper love. Agape love is often referenced in context, and this is what's beautiful about agape love, this deep, caring love. Often used in terms and in context that deal with sacrifice. Selfless sacrifice. So right away there's this designation between a Christian worldview and an unregenerate worldview. As when we talk about love, it's, it's not to be driven by feelings and emotions. It's not to be driven by the lust of our flesh. It is to be driven by a choice to sacrifice. I've been thinking about this this week and thinking of a very 
practical definition in the scripture, and you know these verses. You can't get through a service about true love without at least referencing 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to go ahead and read this. Very familiar verses to you, but as we, de- I know we're in 1 John. We'll get there in the next 45 minutes. At some point, we'll get to 1 John. I want to reference 1 Corinthians 13 because this is the introduction of this word. A word that almost like it busts onto the scene. To a status-driven, self-consumed church in a status-driven, self-consumed society. We're talking about Corinth. Right in the middle of talking about what true ministry is. Catch this. Paul is talking to this church about what true ministry is. And he's talking about these gifts. Right in the middle of all of this, we find by God's grace, through the insertion of the Holy Spirit of God, the guidance of God Almighty, the Holy Spirit, we find this. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I could even remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. You ever stop to think about what we just read right there? So it's possible to show acts of kindness in ministry. I mean, I can't think of a greater act of kindness than to give your body to be burned. To give all I have, as some of your translations will say, give all I have to feed the poor. You're thinking, well, that's, that's pretty sacrificial. I'm not, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do to express love, but that's kind of like way at the top of the list. But it's possible to do those things and not love. Why? Brothers and sisters in Christ, because this is so typical of what the Bible does. Because it goes beyond the outer conformity of Christianity and ministry to the heart. It's possible to do outward works of kindness, but be flawed in your motivation. To be consumed with what is this act of kindness going to do for me? What is this act of kindness going to do to kind of raise me up on the status meter? So when we talk about this love, I mean, very quickly in this chapter, Paul goes to, let's find out what it really is. Verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. Love is not arrogant. Right away in verse 4, he's saying it's completely selfless love. Verse 5, it is not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never ends. Okay, if we want a description and a definition, really, of true love, here it is. I'm going to kind of summarize it. It would have to be something like this. Thinking through definitions and interacting with definitions of true love this week. It would have to be something like this. 
True love is the choice to endure in selfless sacrifice, even if it's not deserved. Brothers and sisters, friends, this is so contrary to how the world around us defines true love. Think about it. Nothing about this says use and abuse your partner morally. Nothing about this says climb the ladder and get all you can. True love, and there's several specific words in this that I like to highlight. True love is a choice. It's not a feeling. Even though feelings are part of it, God gave us feelings. True love is not based and founded on a feeling. It's not founded on emotion. I'm going to tell you, nine times out of ten, I mean, I should say, six days out of seven, I don't get out of bed thinking, oh, I can't wait to show love to everybody. You're ready to kick the dog. Angry, I had to get up, that stupid alarm clock. I'm going to tell you, we don't often feel like loving. That's why it's a choice. Love is a choice. Love is a choice to endure. Around us, we say love is something, even they call it a fling. Whatever. That's not love. That's self-consumed lust. When we talk about true love, it is a choice to endure. It is not easily abandoned. Right here in 1 Corinthians, we see that this is an enduring love. It doesn't stop. True love is the choice to endure in selfless sacrifice. True love is selfless. It's not driven by personal gain. It's not an act of kindness done so that I can somehow make myself look better or feel better. It's completely selfless. It is a sacrifice. True love is sacrificial. It is not withholding kindness because of possible pain and discomfort. God, go find someone else, please, to show love. (laughs) No, no, no. Is a willingness to go through pain and suffering on account of someone else. Because that's what Jesus did for us. True love is a choice to endure in selfless sacrifice, even if it is not deserved. How often is love deserved? Not too. True love is a choice to endure in selfless sacrifice, even if it is not deserved. Can we see this described in 1 John 4? You've been waiting there so patiently for the last 20 minutes. 1 John chapter 4. I want us to see this true love described so appropriately. Old man John, as we talked a couple weeks ago, same type context as you would find in Revelation as we talk through Revelation, talking essentially to a third generation of believers questioning Jesus Christ, having not really seen, and and we got to get this, this generation of believers to whom John is writing to, they didn't see personally the love of Jesus Christ. Catch that. They didn't see Jesus Christ reach down and pick up someone with cripples, that crippled and give them the ability to walk. They didn't see Jesus come and heal someone's eyes so they could see. They didn't observe this regularly. 
So generations beyond, I mean, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, so I won't belabor this. Generations beyond. Now, John is writing, old man John, he's writing to these people saying, guess what? First chapter, first John, my eyes saw him. My hands touched him. I know this is real. I saw the love of Jesus. And now I'm going to share it with you. Well, here's what John, old man John says in 1 John 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Verse 9, in this the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Verse 11. Beloved. If God so loved us. Well what? We also ought to love one another. Very simply today I believe this this chapter. And even this, this paragraph. This section gives us four key characteristics of love. True love. We want to know what true love is? we got to run to this passage. We see it so very clearly as we walk through the different phrases of this passage. First of all, I think as you go through this passage, you see true love is established in God. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Again, in verse 16, it's repeated. God is love. Friends, what is this? Our Creator God is actually the one who is the source of true love. Of, as, as, this, as this passage designated, it's actually referred to like perfect love, flawless love, complete love. True love did not originate with natural, self-consumed, self-depraved man. Rather, it is grounded in the good and gracious nature of our Creator, God. I mean, catch this though. Because it is part of the whole of His very nature, the love of God works in perfect synchronization with all His other attributes. And we need to dial in on this. Because this also includes his just wrath. By saying that God is love, in no way is taking your white out and putting white out all, all, over all the passages in the scripture that talks about his just wrath. In fact, in just a couple weeks, we're going to go through Romans 1. The wrath of God is present. But then that's where we see the beauty of the love of God. The clear biblical fact is that the source of true love is inherently in God Himself. The God of the Bible is a God of love. Let's get that in our minds in a general sense, but, but then we need to kind of designate that. 
Some of you in this room have truly experienced a deeper understanding of that love. We have to understand that. You have experienced the love of Jesus Christ. I mean, often as you go through the texts and scriptures, especially in the New Testament, the love of God is specifically highlighted to you. You're his children whom he loves. But I think the temptation sometimes to say God's love is just for us, or actually as you go through the scriptures, you also see in a very general sense. Call this more or less general grace and kindness. We see God's love expressed all over the world every single day. Why? Guess what? People got up this morning that didn't deserve to get up. People saw sunlight this morning that didn't deserve sunlight. Guess what? People had rain fall on their land today, and they did nothing to deserve that. People ate food today that, quite honestly, didn't deserve that food that God gave them. So in a very general sense, God has shown His love in a, uh, in a broad way, in a very specific sense, he shows perfect, deep, enduring love to his children. I love how Paul says this. I'm just going to reference a couple quick passages. Ephesians 2. You might, might want to write down Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. Because when Paul talks about how bad, how depraved, and actually the word he uses is dead, spiritually dead, we are. What does he say in verses 4 and 5? Ephesians 2. But God being rich in mercy for his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Grace is God giving you something that you did not deserve. God giving me new life, a new life that in no way did I deserve. There's nothing about me that God would look down there and be like, yeah, that Andrew Scott guy, I really got to show him some love. Completely unlovely in my sin and my wretchedness. And God in his grace said, I'm going to shower you with love. That's love. When we talk about the love of the scriptures, it is grounded. It is established in the nature of our God. Romans 8. You can't go through, talk about the love of God without at some point touching on Romans chapter 8. <laughs> Listen to this. Right as we enter into this discussion, actually, Romans 6 through 8 is a dynamic passage about practical growth and sanctification. What, brothers and sisters, is the last, the, kind of the as you section out the book of Romans, what is the dynamic comfort to those of us who are struggling with our flesh every single day? I mean, we're talking Romans 7, where Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am. The things I don't want to do, I do. The things I, I, I do, I shouldn't do. What's the comfort that we find through this, through this discussion of sanctification in this journey? Well, here it is. Verse 35, chapter 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation. You can't add to that list. 
Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So friends here today, when we go to this, these two words, true love, when we talk about true love, we have to dial it into the fact that love is at the heart of who our God is. God has expressed this love to unlovely people. To me, He's expressed this love to you. Here's the point. True biblical love is not some lightweight discussion. It is a serious discussion because it is established in God Almighty. When we show true love to others, we are actually living out the nature of our Creator, God. Catch that. Let's see how else this is described. Another characteristic in this passage of true love. Not only is true love established in God, true love is exposed through Christ's sacrifice. Okay, so we can talk about true love being the very nature of our God. He is a loving God. Scripture talks of this. But then how do we know this? How do we see it very practically? Well, the Apostle John here uses a word. The, the translation is made manifest in verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest. You know what that word means? To disclose. It means to reveal. It means to bring to light. Okay, here's the point. I mean, let me just read through the rest of the verse. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. It was exposed to us. It was revealed to us. It was brought to light. That God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Okay, quick time out. How do we know God's love? It's because the windows have opened and God Almighty, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, came to save sinners. That's how we know true love. That is the perfect description of true love. In fact, verse 10. And this is love. Not that we somehow think well, I'll just stick to the words. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. There's so much we could say about this. Um, how is true love clearly revealed to a broken world? Let's just start with that. Just mention this. In the person and work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How can we truly know what true love is? Not by referencing our favorite novel or movie. Not by quoting The Princess Bride several times in a given week. Not by quoting our favorite guru or influencer or musician or blogger. Not, man, I, I was in, in searching out this true love thing, there was a song that was written several years ago by this not-so-wonderful theologian named Pink <laughs> on true love. If you want a confusion about what true love is not, read the lyrics to that song. Carefully read the lyrics to that song. Children, do not read the <laughs> lyrics to that song. I mean, no, we don't find true love by looking around us that way. We know true love by meditating on the love of Jesus Christ. 
Hey, this goes right back to what we studied for the last 20, 20 weeks. Fix our eyes on Jesus. If we want to know what true love is, look to Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. Look how deep this love is, again, in verse 10. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Okay, what is that? Christianese-type word, propitiation. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) Propitiation means the necessary sacrifice given to satisfy the just and holy wrath of a righteous God. In our minds, we have to jump back to the Old Testament, the mercy seat. The sacrifices that were necessary to appease the wrath of God. And what is that appeasement? What is that propitiation? It is the perfect blood of Jesus Christ on our behalf. This propitiation is the appeasement of the divine wrath because of sin. I love this uh, thought of love being grounded in Jesus Christ. And exposed to us in Jesus Christ. And there's not many better passages in the Bible than Ephesians 5. We just read Ephesians 2. But Ephesians 5 on how practical this love gets in our lives. Ephesians 5, you just write down Ephesians 5, 2. Because here it is. Here's the exhortation. One of the primary, like, dagger exhortations in a loving way, obviously, but from Paul in Ephesians. He says this, And walk in love. Don't just make a singular choice to love and another one, you know, occasionally. Like in a couple weeks, I'll have another act of kindness. No, walk in love. Every choice, every day, saturated with the love of Jesus Christ in our lives. He says, and walk in love. And here's why. As Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We talk about that propitiation, that appeasement of the wrath of God. I believe we need to bring this into the discussion. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross was a fragrant sacrifice to God. It appeased His wrath. In a very practical sense, verse 25 of Ephesians 5 says this. Husbands, all right, here we go, Valentine's Day. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the, with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blame. So much more could be said about this, but brothers and sisters in Christ, let us never forget that true love is clearly exposed to us. In Jesus Christ. True love is established in God. True love is exposed through Christ's sacrifice. And then I I want us to go to this next thought in verses 12 and 13. So we're going to skip a couple verses. True love is enabled by the indwelling Holy Spirit. This is how important true love is. I mean, we can't overstate this in the New Testament especially. True love is enabled by the indwelling Holy Spirit. What do I mean? Verse 12. No one has ever seen God. God is a spirit. Uh, There's a whole discussion behind that one, and I'm not going to get into that today. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. 
and his love is perfected where? In us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. Because, and here it is, because he has given us his what? Spirit. What is this? Very simply, this true love that we're talking about, this love of Christ, it's not hard, it's impossible. (laughs) We can get this in our minds. It's impossible for humans to live out this love on their own. Catch this. The unregenerate, natural, Christless human being might get close to expressing some of those things about true loves, might get close to expressing selflessness or sacrifice. But true biblical agape love cannot be fully expressed without the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the lives of true believers. Let's think about this a little further. In our minds, let's go back to the Gospel of John. All right, so we're reading John's writing through the Spirit, 1 John, the general epistles. In our minds, let's go back to the Gospel of John. In the upper room, prior to Jesus Christ going to the cross, what did he promise? We talk of this often. What did he promise to his disciples who were about to go through a nightmare? What did he promise to them would happen? Hold on. Don't abandon ship. You're going to go through a tough night. And he tells Peter, you're going to deny me. (laughs) It's going to be really bad tonight. But I want to tell you something. I'm going to bless you. Listen to how he's going to bless them. John 14, 16 through 17, you can write down. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Catch this phrase. To be with you forever. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that Holy Spirit doesn't come in your life, and as we often say, He doesn't escape out of the bottom of your shoe. He doesn't leak out. This Spirit comes in the life of a believer. He is the seal of a relationship in Ephesians 1. If somehow you are able to lose the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, then you have lost your eternal relationship with God. We have to get that in our minds. Even though you might in some aspects of your life through sin dim this, this, this intense prompting of the Holy Spirit, you will not ever, as a true child of God, ever be abandoned by the Holy Spirit of God. He is the one that is drawing you back to Him in Romans 6-8. through 8. Come back to me. Come back to me. Come back to me. That is what the Holy Spirit of God is doing in our lives. That is what the Helper does. And here's what He says in verse 17. Jesus says this, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. Oh, man, brothers and sisters in Christ, you know how God's love is expressed to you right now? The Spirit of God is active in your life if you come to Jesus Christ by faith. Hold on to that truth. We could say a lot more about that, but very simply, well, I do want to do this. The Helper, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit indwells believers and actually compels them to live out true love. He's compelling you to live out love. Unregenerate people cannot truly live this love. The Spirit of God is pulling you, saying, love, 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 love. You're saying, prove that to me. Great, I will. Galatians 5. 
Write down Galatians 5 because this is Paul talking about the blessings of this new covenant relationship with God through Jesus Christ and the Spirit. Galatians 5, if you just write down verse 13 through 23, I'm just going to read some of these verses. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Here it is. But through love, serve one another. And so you would think, that's great. Let's stop right there. I just need to love. Well, the discussion's not over. I can't do that on my own. I can't love you the way you need to be loved, the way I need to love you on my own. How is this going to happen? Verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as you, yourself, but you can't fulfill the law on your own. You needed the working of the new covenant in your heart to change your heart. You needed the Spirit. We need the Spirit. Verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, verse 16 in Galatians 5, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. The desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. If I could just skip down to 22 and 23, I would encourage you to dig further in this passage this week, but 22 and 23, but the fruit, you know this, right? The evidence that the spirit of God, that God is alive in you, the fruit of the Spirit is what? What is the first one there mentioned? Love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Very clearly, we cannot live this type of love on our own. We needed a heart change. We needed a new heart. At the heart of the natural, unregenerate person is selfishness and pride. At the heart of the changed, regenerate person is the love of Christ, lived out because of the internal guidance of the Holy Spirit. Let's close this out. Brothers and sisters, we have the facts from 1 John so far. Here they are, the love facts. True love facts. <laughs> True love is established by God, exposed through Christ, his sacrifice, and enabled by the indwelling Holy Spirit. As you can tell, this is a very Trinitarian um, exhortation here by John. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all mentioned in this discussion on love. But it doesn't stop there. Clearly, true love is the work of the Trinity. Now we come to the heart of the exhortation. This really is the kicker. True love is to be expressed by God's people. Beloved, look at verse 7 if you would please. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Beloved, if you skip down to verse 11. Beloved, if God so love us, we also ought to love one another. The undeniable truth is that the God who called out His people and saved them expects that His people choose every day to live out His love. 
true love is the choice to endure in selfless sacrifice even if it is not deserved. And that true love is to be lived out today and tomorrow by every single believer. By the way, back to John 13 in the upper room. After Jesus just washed the disciples' feet, what does he tell them? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I loved you. By the way, he just washed their feet. He showed them service there. Sacrifice to guys that didn't deserve it. You also are to love one another. Verse 35, brothers and sisters in Christ, let's try to wrap our minds around this. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. He could have said any number of things. You could fill in the blank there. By this, shall all men know that you're my disciples. Fill in the blank. But what did he say? By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you love, have love one for another. Let's summarize this today in a key truth. I think this key truth would have to be something like this. It's in bold on your handout there. God's true people are to express God's true love. God's true people are to obediently express God's true love. I mean, that is really the undeniable, I believe, proposition, the key idea of this section. Brothers, love because God loved you. That is the exhortation. God's true people are to obediently express God's true love. In this passage, John is really dialing in on authentic believers. Are you truly a believer, a follower of Jesus? Well, true believers will obediently express God's true love. But then as his argument is developed. I mean, John, as you see his arguments, they're very cyclical <laughs> through his writings. He comes back to themes often, and he just kind of circles around over and over again. And here's what he says, because it is established in God, because it has been exposed through Christ, because it has been enabled through the Spirit, that's the reason. Now, what's the exhortation? God's true people are to obediently express God's true love. So what? What's the takeaway? How is your life to change today and tomorrow and this week because of what we learned today? I'll start with this question. Have you personally experienced God's saving love? I don't want to ignore that. Not just the general kindness of a God who's given you breath, a God who made your heart beat today. Not just that. Have you experienced the love of Jesus Christ, the love of God through Jesus Christ? Has he given you new life? Romans 2 says this. We'll look at this in a couple weeks. Do you presume on the riches and kindness and forbearance and patience of God? Uh, the patience not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to what? Repentance. To change. It's meant to change your heart. God's love is meant to change you. Have you experienced this love? The sobering truth is found in verse 5 of Romans 2. But because of your hard and impenetrant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Friends, I don't want a single one of you in this room 
to ever have the excuse that you did not hear of the love of God expressed to you in Jesus Christ. Today, will you experience the saving love of God? Through faith, will you receive Jesus Christ, the only one who can truly satisfy God's wrath? For those who have experienced Christ's saving love, you are now his beloved child. And here's a question I have for you. Are others experiencing the love of God through you? By this shall all men know that you're my disciple if you have love one to another. Please understand that this does not mean that we never speak out against wrong or sin. That's one of the most loving things you can do in the New Testament church. Paul says in Ephesians 4, speak the truth, but do it in love. This doesn't mean we never defend the truth. No, we do it, though, by grace. This touches every areas of our lives. This is not a joke. The love of Christ, true love, I mean, as, as much as we kind of make it a joke watching that movie, it's not a joke. It's serious to the life of a believer. We are called not only to experience it in salvation, but to live it every day. Think about your day this week to that neighbor who annoys you to the end. God's true people are to obediently express God's true love. To that coworker that just won't shut up and keep bad-mouthing you. God's true people are to obediently express God's true love. To that classmate who always tries to put you in your place and prove how much better he is or she is than you. God's true people are to obediently express God's true love. To that teammate who keeps mocking you for your lack of skills. God's true people are to obediently express God's true love. To that brother or sister who despises you. God's true people are to obediently express God's true love. To that son or daughter who disrespects you. God's true people are to obediently express God's true love. To that church member whose personality irritates you beyond measure. God's true people are to obediently express God's true love. To that boyfriend or girlfriend who wants to, sexu to be sexually active with you before marriage. God's true people are to obediently express God's true love and wait. Yeah. To that spouse who forgot to get you a card and flowers today. God's true people are to obediently express God's true love. Dear brothers and sisters, this week through your life, will this world know that the true love of our great God is present. Thank you, God, for this reminder from John, old man John, in the scriptures about what true love is. That it is grounded established in God and your very nature. It is exposed to us in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. It is enabled in our lives through the Spirit and it is to be expressed every day of our lives with everyone we come into contact with. Oh, I pray, God, that we would fulfill the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. That we would obediently live out the love of Christ. My friends, with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, Thank you for listening so well today. Just as we started into the sermon with a, a moment of prayer, we're going to close out with a brief moment of prayer. I want to encourage you, would you pray with me this morning?
that God would give you the grace to show the love of Christ with everyone you come into contact with. There may be some here that are still questioning. You know, and you're saying, Pastor Andrew, a lot of that made sense, but not all of it. If I could just make it very clear right now, and here's the facts in the Bible. You were born into this world with a serious problem, and that problem was sin. Sin. Sin separates us from a holy God. A holy God who is just in how he deals with that sin and his wrath. But God in his great mercy expressed his love to you through Jesus Christ. God was rich in love for his great mercy and kindness. He expressed that to you in Jesus Christ. Scripture says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be rescued. This is belief that is true belief, though, in scriptures. It's known as repentant belief. It's not just a casual recognition. It is a heart change. Will you come to Jesus Christ today? No accident that you're here today. You're being drawn. You're being drawn to the Savior. Would you respond in faith and repentance today? In just a minute, we're going to sing an anthem of praise to our God. There will be several chaplains, a couple chaplains up here that would be that would love to pray with you and talk with you more about your relationship with God. For those of us who have come to Jesus Christ in saving faith, will you live the love of Christ this week? Obediently living out the fruit of the Spirit. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. So God, that is the prayer of our hearts today. Thank you for your enduring love your faithfulness to us. And I pray as we close out with an anthem of praise to you that you would receive this praise from hearts that are overflowing with gratitude today. We love you because you first loved us. Thank you for the time we can spend in your word today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here today. Uh, we're going to sing an anthem of praise to the, to the Lord as we close out. If you know the words, feel free to sing along. If you don't, meditate on the words on the screen. Some of you came ready to share of your resources this morning. We're not going to pass around any plates. There are some boxes in the back if you'd like to participate that way. I hope you have a great week. Walking in the Spirit, showing the love of Christ.